0: Hello and welcome to When Will It End? It's game day, baby. But today, we're not talking about the big old football games today. No, we're talking about other games. Uh, more specifically, Hunger Games? Welcome to the show. I'm Josh, joined as ever by Charles, special guest Moav.
1: Hello.
0: It's Allison. We are uh, talking, we're talking the games today. We're back with the games. More games.
2: Well, there's no games in the movie. First, this is yeah, we've broken uh, the
0: first Sans games film, we've made it to Mocking Jay part one. We're in the, almost at the grand finale
2: of the Hunger Games
1: quartet. It's almost like the Hunger Games were never games at all.
2: Oh, I see. So, this one like literalized the fact that they weren't actually games. They seem like games, there's a winner, there were rules. Killed, were people. they
1: games? I think games have to be fun. That's the I do.
2: I'm
0: actually with Allie on this one when I hear game. I'm thinking Uno, Hungry Hungry Hippos,
1: Check. You don't check. think this is the check?
0: You know, check. <laughs> Everyone's
2: favorite game. I'm actually a check grandmaster. I mean, what if they called this no grand wizard Hungry Hungry Games?
1: Well, if it was more fun, then it would be a game. But I, if it was what it currently is, then no, no dice, no dice. I mean,
2: you you all are Survivor watchers. You, I don't think it's fun for them sometimes but it's fun for you. You have to think about the yeah, game being They
1: play games on Survivor. Yeah,
2: one th- there are a lot of players
0: in Survivor who are there because they love the like, there's some some of our favorite players are there because they love right. specifically
2: And you're talking but about it's, people multi- people you're talking about the people from the districts 1, 2 and 3. They love the games. They train them for it their whole life but and they, they go into play. it. They don't
1: play. They don't play. Oh, oh, in 1, 2, and 3, they do play. Yeah. Okay, but in Survivor, there are many layers of game because you've got the game that's happening on like an interpersonal level where you're playing people and then you have the literal games that you play as challenges, which are games. They're like, go fetch this from the water and it's a relay race. Like, those are games. And also, Charles, the biggest point of it all that makes Survivor a game and Hunger Games not a game is that nobody dies so well, at one
0: point, someone's hands get melted off and it's pretty crazy. That's
1: true. But it was an accident. <laughs> yeah. That's is
0: like, honestly, the craziest thing I've ever seen in a reality show. I've, I was really, everyone's like, oh, season two has a really crazy moment. I was like, oh, how crazy could it be? And it's like, oh, a grown man melts his hands off. And I was like, yeah, that, that, that's fucked up. And it was bad. Hey, speaking of The Hunger Games... You know, while admittedly uh, none of the traditional games in this movie, I was like, "Man, I hope we get some kind of reminder of the thrill, the visceral thrill of the games." And uh, yeah, there's some tracker jacker talk in this yes. movie. And it really made me happy because, like, what worked in movie one, not a whole lot, but the tracker jackers we loved, and we get we, we're back to the jack. We track back to the jack with this, and that was really
1: great. Yeah, Peter's brain is all mushy. Yeah, the tracker jacker venom.
2: I mean, they did undo i think that's what's been so wonderful about watching these new movies is that they like really showed us what we could have had in the first one and we never will the first hunger games movie is is dead it, it could be removed basically like i think i don't know you need it but it sucks but they did pull like one of the worst silliest things from the first one and make it into something terrifying dark and really awful
0: yeah i mean the the, the... I don't think I like this movie as much as the second movie, but I still fucking really enjoyed it, and and I'm really into the story at this point. I think the escalation of everything is really chilling. Like, to see uh, the tooch go from the fun, wacky host to, like, I am now 100% a militarized propagandist using my platform just for this insidious narrative building with an increasingly distraught and tortured PETA, like, that was really well done. Like, the, the... I think so often in our world, where we're so distanced from the forever wars that America is engaged in, we often forget, you know, what it's like. In, those, you know, in the first two movies, we were really, like, up close and personal with all this violence. And now we're in this really weird media war in this movie where ideas are being ping-ponged back and forth, where it's a battle for, for airwaves. It's a battle for— Which is
1: way more relatable to us, I feel.
0: Yeah, I mean, because, like, certainly as modern capitalist subjects, we exist in this incredibly mediatized environment. So, again, them, like, tripling down on the media aspect of this world— I didn't expect this at all from these movies. And I'm really impressed at how nuanced the storytelling is. Because, again, you know, movie three, once again, Katniss, in the midst of her personal trauma and tragedy and sorrow, is forced to act over and over and over again.
1: And yet, and she still, she remains a pawn in this movie because she's... She's given a choice whether or not she wants to participate, sort of, but it's not really a real choice. And the way that they get her to make the choice is by exploiting the things about her that they know are going to be vulnerable, like showing her her home destroyed and things like that. Like they completely manipulate her to be their hero again.
2: Yeah. Can you imagine like being like you're in the green room or not the green room? That's a different thing. But in the green screen room and you're like, ah, you can't quite bring this out. You know what's going to work? Let's bring you back to your home, which has been firebombed, put you out in the field where all the rib cages and skulls and, like, fleshy color covered arms are just sitting there. And a single
0: dog strolling through the, ca- the carnage.
2: Which Having Allie, a
1: yummy snack.
2: Which Allie did think was a pig I originally. I thought it was a pig. Uh, well, we had too much pig in the first one. But that dog was, uh, I-, I looked it up in the trivia, it is quietly humming, hmm hmm Mm-hmm. 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 mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have to we have to talk about it. Allie was so excited about this cuz this movie introduces the Catnip music video uh which you guys have now been prior to
2: recording singing are back you, and forth for like 5 are minutes. Are you
1: going to the tree?
2: Wait, have you heard the the Hunger Games r- the rebel remix? No. I
1: th- have. It's great.
2: I have not. Wait. If you can believe it, I have. Can not I not I'm going to see remix. if I can figure out a way to play it here real quick. We got our There's some Good shit. Hold
1: Street on. Oh wait, here standard. we go.
0: Okay, okay. okay. Charles and Alson are fighting. Mm. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that
0: was like the okay on a super dorky show. That was like <laughs> one of the saddest things I've ever seen.
2: Uh, I had it on my walk this morning. I had it in the shower this morning. Uh,
1: Charles I have a question for you
2: What well, is it that what is, listening to that song Really gets you to clean your asshole like no other song would
1: <laughs> Yeah, I was. Well I was actually going to ask um, What does that song do for you Like what does it bring up for you But maybe you just answered the question Yeah, I
2: just, yeah it's like that Johnny Carson moment Had the envelope ready Yeah uh, the answer was
0: uh, What is uh, scrubbing my asshole raw <laughs>
2: No that's Jeopardy asshole Oh sorry Carson yeah, That's in the form of a question Yeah um, so the song... this movie, okay, the song, go ahead. No, no, that's fine. Go ahead. I'm done with it.
1: No, I want to hear about the song because to me, the song is not, it doesn't, the lyrics don't reek of rallying cry. So no, I'm it's just...
2: so weird. It's. I had to look it up and it is written by Suzanne Collins. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it must be from the book.
1: Yeah, it's from the book. She must have
2: pulled like a, a Brian Jack or a Lord of the Rings guy where she like wrote out a whole song in book form and you just got to imagine mice singing it <laughs> or in this case deranged teenagers singing it
1: people of all ages
0: did you all read the redwall books i i read with great enthusiasm dozens of the redwall books and, and i have to say you know those are pretty brutal uh so, some of those especially the early like the first one uh, redwall with Clooney the scourge and shit like man there's like really brutal violence in those books and like it's very funny to go back and be like, if they were people and not sentient animals, it would be like completely inappropriate for children to read a lot of that stuff. So much slavery and torture. <laughs> yeah,
2: um, I do. I as I, it's weird. It's sort of the opposite. As I was growing up, those books got tamer. So not only was I like still like mm, early teenagers still reading the Redwall books as they were coming out, they ended up being completely about feasting. I don't know if you made it to, like, the Pearls of Lutra and all the later no, ones. The, the
0: Pearls of Lutra, I would argue, is the best of the books because it's – in the in, in the Redwall books, you've got usually, like, three storylines. One is some elaborate mechanism leading up to a battle. One is uh, puzzle solving. And one is, yes, like about a third of the book is just descriptions of, uh, like, <laughs> one meal. It's uh, incredible. Yeah, I learned about so many things that, like, I, I like cordials right. or like, Plans. Uh, that's where I learned pies. about r- Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Wait,
2: what did you like about Pearls of Lutra, though? Because I remember that one being good, but that's like the beginning of when it started to get really less interesting for me.
0: Well, it, it opens with like a classic Brian Jock and Hunger Games narrative of like someone's homeland and family is fucking decimated in a really brutal, violent way. And then. Uh the, the puzzle solving in that one is, I think, particularly elaborate and full of riddles and, and clues and finding stuff yeah. and, you know.
2: Okay, so you, it's it stuck to the script, but it did it in like a really – you really like the puzzle part of it.
0: I, I think it exemplifies what's good about those books.
2: My favorite part of it was um, that badgers had such insatiable bloodlust that their eyes would turn red and they were just going on a killing spree.
0: Yes, that's a, a, a perennial theme in those books. Uh, Brian Jock's – I called him Brian Jock growing up. You think it's Jack?
2: Well – it's definitely. It's not like I. I don't know. It's. It sort of looks French, but it also doesn't look French for me for some reason. I think it's. I think it's Brian Jake's. Huh. But it could be. Well, this sh- is a good. This is a good cold we've entered. I don't think I it's,
1: didn't really read those books to be honest.
2: Yeah, there there's were some, there's some
1: girl boss characters in that shit. No, I was reading Tamara Pierce at that time. Tamara Pierce, shout out for anyone who's listening. Wait,
2: wait, hold on. I, what did she wrote?
1: She wrote the Alana books. It was like a series about like a a lady warrior. It was great. Great books. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, I used to work at a bookstore, and I spent a lot of time in the kids section. Hmm, must be nice. Yeah, it was pretty nice. So I got paid like $7 an hour.
1: That's not that nice.
2: And that sucks.
0: Hold on. You're telling me every uh, every bookstore worker in America should make $15 an hour?
2: <laughs> Look, I know. I know. Okay. It's not a real job. Um, it doesn't do anything. Here are real jobs. One, buying and selling
0: real estate. Two, making steel.
2: Buying and selling money.
0: Three, yeah, uh, making up false evaluations of costs. Allison's doing math on her phone.
2: That's a real she job. Just... Wait, wait, wait. How much are no, you getting paid? No, No? She's not getting paid for this. I'm this, not sure what this she's- This strange talk about minimum wage right now. Like, you see- I don't know. Sometimes I'm on Facebook and I just like, you know, the notification. I think
0: Allie had no idea why she was doing math or like didn't really have an end game because she just stopped doing some calculations and looked at me and started laughing as though uh, she wasn't really sure why she was doing the math. I
1: wanted to know how closely my salary is to $15 an hour just out of curiosity. How
2: close? How close?
1: Uh, I think I messed the math up, so yeah. I gave up, and that's, that's why. I left why the
2: job. That's why you. Uh, that's why you don't make more than fifteen dollars an hour because you can't do that fucking math.
1: Yeah, and famously, to be a theater educator, you gotta be good at math.
0: Well, I, I think it was Elijah Muhammad who said, "You know, Islam is mathematics," and I, I believe it was Bob Fosse who said, "If you can't do the, if you can't step right, get the fuck out of the theater." Actually,
1: it was Bob Fosse who said, and that's jazz,
0: baby.
2: I love jazz so much.
0: I'm a jazzman. I like the jazz. Yeah. Alison's dad's literally a jazzman.
2: That's so cool.
0: Wow. Are you going to follow in his footsteps?
1: To become a jazz jazz lady? I think
0: Allison's jazzy in her own way. Yeah. I
1: jazz through life, you know?
0: I mean- It's about the notes she doesn't blurt out, I guess. Yeah. Or it's
1: about all the scatting I do, like in bed, just for fun.
2: Okay, Allie? You shit the bed? Can you-
1: Oh, not shatting. Think about scatting. No
0: scat, that scat is that's still. What? scat scat pornography is a genre of pornography. I don't
1: know what that is. What you just is said it?
0: scatting the bed and I, I, I <laughs> What didn't does that
1: mean? Like, Wait. Like
0: poop play. You didn't really? Oh, Allie. Also, okay. well, it I told my dad you were on this
2: episode.
1: I literally meant I like to use my mouth. Ma- okay,
2: Allie? You like to use your mouth when you're doing scat play? <laughs> okay, 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 okay.
1: Let's just <laughs> Let me give an example. Oh, no, no,
0: Dally, shut the fuck up.
1: Scoopy poop 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 beep beep boop Hello,
0: Okay.
2: This Um, is this what it sounds like when I when I scat. (laughs) Please, guys, please.
1: I don't know what that is. Okay, let's get
0: back to the movies. It's pooping. Well, you know, you know when
2: you go to the woods and like you're. Oh God, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I'm just saying when you're like an outdoor expert, part of it is looking at animal scat and like determining the routes, the mating seasons That is
1: poop. Uh.
2: That is poop. They're not they're not jazzy beasts. They're not they're not all booping around back there. What's
0: what's the jazziest beast though? I
2: think like a like
0: uh some some tropical fish seem jazzy to me. You know wow, I, mean? I
2: never would have expected a fish to be jazzy. But now that you mentioned well, it. I think it, a fish can be pretty yeah, jazzy. They, I think yeah, octopuses are real jazz.
1: You know who's the jazziest animal? Who that? President Coyne in the movie The Hunger Games, played by Nicole Kidman. Oh wow.
2: Expert segue. No, not Nicole. Is that who you thought that was?
1: <laughs> oh, I forget who it is.
2: Oh, it's Julianne Moore.
1: Played by Julianne Moore. Yeah. Oh, famous redheads. <laughs>
2: Wait, you thought that was Nicole the whole movie? No,
1: I didn't think it was any particular person.
2: Can oh, just you just saw Coin. To...
0: You only saw, I Coyne. saw Coin. Yeah. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking well, about the you know, character. Well, Jewish. A quick way to my heart is to basically only <laughs> shoot Julianne Moore with Philip Seymour Hoffman for the entire movie. Yeah, there's so many tours of just them like being like mom and dad together in the movie, and I love it.
2: Yeah, brought back. They're a good uh,
1: pair. They're good foils for each other.
2: Magnolia was it? Have they been in anything else together? Well, Boogie Nights. It's I, yeah.
0: funny to me to think about how like they're they're they've only been in like weirdly bleak and emotionally like uh, incredibly grim movies together, and the two people who play that
2: perfectly. Yeah, they're both really good. This is we're not there yet, but this is this is a hard MVP movie again, I think.
1: I want to know so much more about President Coyne, how she got to this point, what's been going on underground in this like secret like station hideaway lair base. I want to know how that started. I want to know who all those people are in from District 13, like well, and I think Tell that's us why, about it.
2: I think honestly, I think that's why this is a successful movie is because it a- asks way more questions than it answers. And I, I personally hope it never answers any of them. I, I like that. I think we found over and over again in, in these franchises that once they start to like get to part two or three or four and like, oh, we haven't really explored this. That's when it starts to fall apart. I'm thinking a lot about the Terminator right now, where they spent way too much time answering world-building questions that the first one just effortlessly puts forward and i like that there's an underground base they have a shitload of bombs they got planes i do not really care why those things all exist i just like that it's there but,
0: but more to the point we're watching this as katniss's experience as a young woman who realizes that the world she thought she knew is both infinitely more complicated and weirdly hollow and and confusing than she ever thought it was. And I like that. I think the less, you know, I, I love that for 75 years, there has been this resistance movement building and complete secrecy. And it's as shocking to her as it is to us to realize that there's this whole other thing to it. And I don't know. I, I think like the fact that it complicates the movie because it's not like these people are a hundred percent, the good guys. They're a different political faction with their own agenda And Katniss is playing into their agenda, not Mm -hmm. vice versa, really. She just wants her loved ones to be safe, ultimately. And the revolution is a complete byproduct of that endeavor for her. So, yeah, I think that ignorance helps us as viewers further invest in her story. Because this movie ends on a note that's just like the most devastating possible note for her and 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 the fact that the, that it stays so centered on her experience and not that world building i think is what makes it work where it's like this all that we need to know is that in this massive machination between these two forces peta has become the grist in the mill that's being churned into like an inhuman monster
1: what it what, it kind of reminds me of um like her her storyline with discovering about district 13 Reminds me of, like, a college student who gets really passionate about some sort of social cause because they, like, learned about it in class or from a book or something. And they're like, I have to defeat sexism now. Like, what are we going to do about this bad thing? And then everyone around them is like, yeah, no, 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 it's okay. There's, like, lots of people working on this. Like, you don't have to, like. And they're like, no, I'm going to make an organization.
2: Right. Uh, But then she gets
1: down and she's like, oh, shit.
2: Yeah. Hampshire (laughs) is particularly. I think that it works well there because of how awful it is to see all these young, mostly white people try to do something about stuff. And there's like so many examples of like they could go two towns south, three towns west and actually do something. But they do. They just join these shitty groups and actually accomplish nothing. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, it's also the, the the complication of translating a political ideology into a political reality. And uh, the fact that the good guys are... Stockpiling weapons and living underground, and are regimented. Yeah, they're they're just as invested in playing this media game and creating these narratives that are convenient for them.
1: They will use her as a pawn until she gets killed. Easy.
0: Yeah, and and again, this is like a weird socialist army. Like it's not like they're not they they haven't created a utopia. Their singular purpose is to defeat President Snow. Like it's
2: uh, not like I mean I will interrupt and say that. If your idea of a utopia is living in a hole in the ground wearing jumpsuits, uh, they nailed it.
1: That's true. Utopia is to whoever holds the idea of the utopia. And whoever wears the jumpsuit.
2: I do want to know, I don't really care about how Coin got in power, but I do wonder if after 75 years, why they're still all wearing the same jumpsuit. I feel like that might have maybe not been a priority in the first decade, maybe not even the second decade, but after 40 or 50 years... Not wearing jumpsuits. Charles, we
1: don't know that they're wearing the same jumpsuit.
2: I mean, I'm not saying they only have one. I'm saying they all have the identical jumpsuits.
1: The, this might be Model 5 or 6. We don't know.
0: No, I'm not saying... He's that... saying he wants to see more variety out there. Oh, okay. Let me say this. Mahershala Ali can wear a fucking jumpsuit. Yeah,
1: he sure can. He can wear a... He, so he sure can. can wear J-Law. the fuck
0: out of a jumpsuit. J-Law yeah. looks good. But she did. Well, J-Law gets like, the iconic... We finally see J-Law in full battle gear...
1: I get the jumpsuit thing, though, because if their whole thing is like, uh, you know, giving people the space to create individual ways of portraying their identities means that they're less focused on the collective cause. If you have to get up every morning and think, what am I going to do with my hair? You're not thinking, what am I going to do today to serve District 13?
0: Well, this gets into a larger conversation because in the first movie I was watching it being like, this is the kind of shit that – you know, white power, white nationalist people could watch and be like, yeah, like the good honest country lady has to go to the big decadent city full of effeminate men and Jews and has to like, I, I could, I was really worried like, oh, this movie could be easily manipulated into a right-wing narrative. And now it's like such like a weird staunchly paramilitary socialist movie where it's like, you know, the, the false option of choice is not real freedom. Real freedom is a collective sacrifice for a greater good and to, to, to give people the equity that they require to, you know, live harmonious lives. It's, it's weird. <laughs> like, it's funny because I was so worried at the beginning of the series being like, what, what are people taking away from this? And, and now, like, at this point, it seems so unambiguously a staunchly hard left message, ultimately, mm. that I'm kind of I'm fine with the
2: jumpsuits. I mean, I, I, well, first of all, I'm I agree with the message. I just sort of wish that why I don't know, really know why they couldn't just stick to peaceful Protests, like yeah,
0: like they could vote president. That's Snow a out.
1: really good point. Yeah, I don't I know. think they should just make some signs.
2: Right? Yeah, I just it was it was. I like what they're trying to accomplish, but the way they're doing it, the way they're doing it. Yeah, here's what
0: I think. I think they should have a thing where at the Hunger Games, everyone takes a knee to recognize racism, right. and then they they like put up like a rainbow flag, mm-hmm. like okay. Now let's get going
2: with the murder. Can you imagine how powerful mm-hmm. that, <laughs> that would have been if in the first, oh my god, first what game a message. Uh, they all yeah. pop out of their tube and rather than standing they were kneeling? Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. I think if President Snow was like, sometimes the way the peacekeepers act isn't cool at all. Yeah, and that's
2: fucked up. But we should give and them more money. Like, oh my money. god, he said something. Yeah, we should give them more money to train them better. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah and once again, you know, what, they're they're going to resist President Snow to get their own district bombed. Uh, yeah, that's not peaceful. Right. Weird. It's almost like we may have to sacrifice something to burn it all down, baby. Burn. Yeah. burn.
2: So I was looking at the quotes on, uh, rotten tomatoes.com slash M slash the underscore hunger, underscore games, underscore mock and J underscore port one, underscore one slash quotes. You should all read these quotes. They are perfectly exempt. Like they perfectly with these six quotes, just show you what this movie is about. Uh, they are, if we burn you burn with us, um, It's the things we love that destroy us. It takes 10 times longer to put yourself back together than it does to fall apart. This movie is very bleak and very sad. And no one says anything nice. It's just all survival.
0: Well, it's cool to watch like a real wartime movie. Mm. Like no one is dreaming of like anything other than basic survival.
1: But in some ways, it's not. That's that's not so realistic To me, I know that's a silly thing to say about a movie that's, you know, in a different world from from ours. But like everyone is so resigned to the fact that they must die for the cause. And I feel like, you know, in a real revolution, there would be a lot more ambivalence, I think, from a lot of people. Like it was very, very it's very it's a very striking image to watch what is it hundreds or maybe thousands of people storming the barricades and just knowing that they're going to get plowed down getting plowed down immediately just hundreds and hundreds of them dying so that they can set off these bombs and they're just like this is what needs to be done and you're like sure like that that is what needs to be done but like everyone is just Ready to do it? Like yeah, that crazy. Part
0: particularly felt like a Soviet propaganda film, where it was <laughs> like the noble peasants charging into directly into gunfire. Like that, that was like, yeah, I, I, I hear what Ali's saying. Like, like the the, the movie's politics. Maybe, maybe like a downside to the movie is that. I think about a movie that this reminded me a lot of, of The Last Jedi, my favorite Star Wars movie. Like, there's in, immense discord among the rebels about how to proceed. And there's a lot of everyone has a very complicated. Which
1: there always is. Like, there's no. And we see a tiny amount of discord when they aren't sure what to do about PETA. Like, that's that's the most discord we ever ever seen. It's basically just everyone in their district being like, oh, no. That guy sucks. That sucks. But it wasn't that? even discord
2: because they just all agreed. So that yeah, even they that, all agree
1: th- that it was bad, and they were yeah. like, "We hate this." And then it happened anyway, and they were like, "Yay, it's okay." <laughs> right? That <laughs> so was also good. weird
2: that they even included that, but they don't seem right. They don't care. And then when they actually do rescue the victors, there's no like Yay. scene of yeah, they just love it. <laughs> Allie's auditioning to be a crowd member in the next Hunger Games.
1: <laughs> How am I doing? So, so far, so good. Cool. But I
2: think there are some moments of niceness, mostly between like the sister and the J-Law and the mother. So I think there are some brief moments from that perspective that sort of gets you to understand how everything else can be such shit. And then the people can like really be working to fight this because they actually have something that they care about. Only, Only Katniss really is shown what she cares about, but I guess we can sort of extrapolate that to everyone else that they also care about. You know, they don't want their... Mom to get burned in a firebomb. Well, I think so. They'll get sh- they'll get shot uh, climbing a tree real fast.
0: There, there's one sort of intersection that is maybe the most fascinating interaction in the entire movie that speaks to that dis- dis- that the discord between Katniss and the rest of the rebellion, where her and Gail are together and and they have that kiss and that moment, and 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 Gale is just like, yeah, I thought this might happen, but uh, you know. I don't have any feelings anymore, and this this I know this isn't real, and I know that like he he actually has so resigned himself to politics, so to speak, that
1: that's s- not what he said. He said, "I know that when you kiss me, it's because you see that I'm like em- going through emotional turmoil." Basically. Yeah, he says that's right, actually that's w-
2: what I'm saying. That's one of the quotes on RottenTomatoes.com.
0: Right, right. He, he doesn't even want to participate. He, he can't even. He can't experience that kind of connection anymore on a personal level because he not, – not just because of their complicated relationship, but because to him at that point, everything is this utilitarian process of if Katniss is doing this, it's because of this. Because it, like, oh, I, I see read what it you're differently. saying, but
1: that's – yeah, I don't think that's what he's saying at all. I think he's pining after her and he knows that she doesn't have the feelings that he wants her to have. I hear what you're saying, but I think you're extrapolating a little bit too far. His well, th- that's what they call me
0: Josh the Extrapolator.
2: The, the line is, I'm in pain. That's the only way I can get your attention. I don't think it's that he is- He has not like, given up. He, he not Oh, well, see- how
0: about you guys are so fucking smart. I'll just shut the fuck up. I'll just shut the fuck up. No, fucking-
2: that's an extrapolation that I like. <laughs> Daddy liked that extrapolation. <laughs> say it again wow josh say it again i'll, I'll scat on your face say it again oh, say no. it again no say it no,
1: again allie said yeah, that boop, boop, boop.
0: allie stop scatting <laughs> can we stop with the scat talk for a minute what me and allie All do in who, the
2: bedroom is really
1: no uh, one
0: else's who, business
2: scatting when i'm in scatting the in bed, bed i can't believe scatting I mean, in I the bed
1: listen to this. i didn't know what it was i'm sorry i really meant scatting me with my and mouth. my wife
0: do not there's <sighs> <laughs> what do you who gives a shit well, I mean, uh, in, the,
2: in the narrative Allison's put forward, one of I us. I give a shit. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a pooping. It's so a pooping. It's a joke. <laughs> why do you care if – like, they, they know that you have sex in the bed. They know that you – No, hold on. No one – know. you don't know Nobody that. Nobody knows what we do. Okay. <laughs> good point. I assume that you have, like, anal and oral sex in your bed. Like, who cares if there's scat Charles, now? Charles, what – Okay. What right. do they say about assuming? What yeah, do they say? Please what's don't the,
1: make assumptions. About what's the famous
2: us assuming? You get scat on your face when you assume.
1: There you go. You
2: make an ass out of you and me. Who assume. thought? Where who, were what we? Ass first thought of that and thought it was so clever.
0: I don't know. He probably he probably ate dinner on that for a while though. He's like you know the assume thing. That was me. I'm like oh no shit shit. He's like shit yeah believe it bank it
2: scat scat it. Um, I want to talk Finnick. Because you're gonna have to talk me down from ch- choosing him as the MVP. Because if there's a character that purely represents pain, defeat, every goddamn thing this boy says is pain. Uh, it's incredible. He's his opening line is like, "Wow, I woke up from this nightmare and uh, being awake." Or no, his his opening line is something about him like everyone's dying and I wish I were dead too. And then he says, I have nightmares, but when I wake up, being awake is just as bad. And then he tells the story of how he was a sex slave and learned that President Snow killed everyone through poison and his mouth is constantly full of blood. Yeah. So he he might be my MVP again. I'm not sure yet.
0: I think it's very clever storytelling to have like you know, a character literally deliver like a monologue of his experiences in this world from a vantage point that we have heretofore not seen of like a Victor who spent a fair amount of time in the Capitol in this elite world of like sex and murder and betrayal and conspiracy. I I was impressed that, you know, rather than, you know, there, there's a lot of ways they could have brought up this whole thread that has not been explored at all. But in, in that bizarre, like mixture of media narrative where it's like, is he lying? Is is this real? Is he telling a story to people to as agitprop? Is this like I, I think keeping that ambiguity and that that, that agony? Uh, is well done.
1: Well, it's a continuation. This is not the first time that we've heard someone mention a sex trade in the capital it's not the first time that we've heard of victor talk about the sex trade in the capital it's just the first time that we've heard them like explicitly name that that's what was happening before it was like little hints here and there so
2: do you think that finnick is q
0: yeah it's it's an f drop
2: he dropped an f bomb wow
1: i wouldn't say that no
2: okay
0: (laughs) also it wouldn't really be f anon because it's we know who f is
2: yeah.
1: I mean, Finnick is so defeated in this movie. Ugh. It's like so upsetting to watch him. I could see how he could be your MVP, I suppose, from like an acting standpoint. He doesn't, aside from that monologue, he doesn't do anything to move the plot along. Um, but that's fine.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I think that's true. He might That might have been enough to talk me away from choosing him again. But I just think every character is very um, grappling with trauma. I think one of my favorite scenes in the movie is, even though it features saving a cat, which I would have let that thing get bombed. Um, go fuck
0: yourself. Fuck both of you. Butterball owns. Butterball stays. Butterball's gold.
2: <laughs> um, I liked it. That cat it. was mean. When the bombs Ugh. go off and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I might be sort of taking this taking this, the wheel from the extrapolator. Uh, it feels like she just sort of collapses on the, flo- on the stairs. And to me, that was a moment where she is so overcome with The trauma of going through the games, the violence that she's hearing and experience just completely shuts her down.
1: Where? What part are you talking about? uh,
0: Look, you may be the new president of Extrapolation Nation because she makes it down the stairwell. She's worried about her sister. The emotions in that scene are from trying to save her sister no, but the, before the bombs. The
2: hit. initial emotion, like she, she, the bombs go off and she just like collapses on the stairs and doesn't yeah, yeah, move. Yeah, yeah, I know
1: what you're talking about. And she to, collapses on the stairs. People kind of step over her. Yeah, and then someone helps her down, and then she's like, "Oh no, my sister!" So and she goes back up.
2: As someone that has, I mean, you've experienced this too, Josh. Like with your car crash and with me getting. Uh, physically assaulted a few times in the same day.
0: Well, Allison, you know, I don't want to tell her story uh, for her, but also is the survivor of a, of a car accident. So she certainly understands
2: uh, that. I think it's, it is, it is as, as people that have gone through violence that has left uh, lasting trauma, the way that it, the, when you have something that reminds you of it non-physically, whether it's like sound or memory or something mm-hmm. that just brings it back, it does have a debilitating response physically, where like I totally got that scene where she just like couldn't move on the stairs because it's probably reminding her of uh getting tracker jacker attacked in the woods or...
0: or the poison fog.
2: Yeah. The
0: fog is poison. Or or killing Jack Quaid with a bow. Um well no, I mean, the thing about like trauma and, and trauma recalls that it is like a time machine in your body, which is what's so crazy about it, mm-hmm. that you're you go back to that physiological state. Of panic And like, I guess if you haven't experienced that, you're very lucky. But like, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I've had plenty of panic attack in the last couple of years over my body going through the exact motions of that moment. So, it, it, I mean, yeah, the fact that they center that in this storytelling is I- incredibly cool.
1: Right. And it's not the first time that we see that sort of trauma response from her. We see it from her pretty regularly. And I think it just shows, you know, what an insidious part of her life and her brain this has now become. It's just part of her.
0: And, and why the PETA storyline is so powerful. where are like she just wants to protect this person. And then over and over and over again sees herself failing to do that. And, and sees this person suffering that she can do nothing to change. And like that, it's it's devastating.
2: Yeah. And also that we learned that she is basically, she is now his trauma where he's learned through, I mean, they did condition him, but that's the thing is like-
0: the, the Tracker Jacker juice. Yeah.
2: Uh, <laughs> it is so easy at that point to like basically just, it, does, it doesn't take very much other than Tracker Jacker juice to slightly tweak his- vision of events to see her as the problem
1: well because all of their bonding was trauma bonding yeah. like the only reason that they have any sort of relationship of any sort is because they were stuck in these perilous situations together so yeah the tiniest bit of movement in his brain could shift from the capitals the enemy to the person who i was with at this time was the enemy
0: and, and, and to pull the, the camera back a little bit if you will the fact that when uh old catnap goes to district eight to visit the, the wounded. And they're like, what happened to the baby? And it's like, oh, they're like, so fake, good made up narrative of pain has now been accepted into a mass experience of trauma and her like updating this completely fictitious baby story to be like, I lost the baby. It becomes like an, uh, this shared trauma from the PETA Katniss narrative. And, and that, that, that interweaving of like, Imagination and lie and personal. I, I, I think the 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 granular detail of that is something you don't often see in these movies.
1: Oh my gosh! Can we talk about what happened in District Eight for a second? Okay,
0: Allison. I think I think we have to talk about. District We have 8. to talk, we about 8. Oh about. We talk about District Eight. That's what this show is all about. We got to talk about District Eight.
1: We we need to talk about. Okay, so we see. They're sent to District 8. They're going to visit the people in the hospital. It's super, super sad. They ask about the baby, etc. They're walking around. Then we, they, we meet
0: Natalie Dorner, who's got a very trendy haircut.
1: She's got, we all agree that Josh would have dated her in Wait, 2012.
2: Wait, is, is she the Ivy tattoo head?
0: Yeah, she's yeah. got
1: the
2: Charles tattoo on her head. Yeah. We would have had to fight to date her. All
1: right, guys. That's <laughs> enough. Uh, the Capitol is coming, and they're going to be bombing, right? And then what, what do they freaking do? What do they freaking do? Gail and freaking Katniss? They shoot down the bombing planes. What happens? Into the hospital. What happens? <laughs> Everyone dies. <laughs> Whose fault was that? Katniss.
2: Well, I mean, I thought. Maybe I'm wrong. I thought they already bombed the fuck out of the hospital.
1: No. They,
0: they were bombing the hospital, but it definitely, as I and me and Allie understood it, she shoots them so they crash into the hospital after having bombed it. That's incredible. So. Yeah. There,
1: there could have been a chance for some people to survive the original bombings. <laughs> However, there was no chance when they exploded the building and then made it seem like she had done something heroic by doing so. And I just wanted to know, like, what? how did that evolve her trauma? Like, what happens to her mentally after she does something like that? And then it gets, like, completely warped by the propaganda machine of District 13.
2: It seems like it just gets warped, where she doesn't... I don't know, like either you are the king and queen of extrapolation Mm-mm. or this new version of reality where she has saved nothing but thinks she's done something good takes over as the real version.
0: Well, but, but but think about Plutarch. I mean, he's always seen her as the means to an end. And, and you know, certainly with the great Philip Seymour Hoffman playing the, the media czar of the revolution, even as a double agent, you know, he has shown absolutely no... It's helpful for the revolution when these things happen, and the narrative of they bombed a hospital, which is technically true, yeah. even though Katniss greatly exacerbated the situation inadvertently. That's just helpful. They sent her there to create propaganda, so she's she's in this this machine now, and it's it is not about it does not reflect her values. Uh, she, you know, she she is again being forced into a utilitarian device for a much larger machination. It, it's it's chilling.
2: Yeah, this movie, um, I'm glad you brought up that baby. I actually sort of forgot about it, but that baby moment where they ask her about her baby is what brings this movie from an okay movie about war to a brilliant movie about war. Like it's That little detail just shows the commitment to lie that is so everywhere in this world.
1: But also the commitment to hope that people hold on to because Mm. that baby, the idea that she made it out alive and she was carrying a child gave those people hope. I mean, they were sitting there thinking about it to the point where it was the first thing that they asked her about.
2: But is hope based on lie still, I guess it's a useful form of hope. I think that's what we all live with, actually. 100%. Yeah. Because
1: hope is, hope is something that happens in your brain chemistry. So it doesn't really matter what's true. It matters what it does to your brain. That's a great yeah, point.
2: I mean, uh, hope hope is a story that we tell ourselves. So The, the only
1: th- reason we get through every day is because we have false hope.
2: Yeah, like, I saw Bernie sitting on that little stool with his little mitts. Huh. Brought me hope again.
1: Those were nice mittens, right? You thought, oh, those were made by, you know, an artisan in Vermont and all the proceeds, whatever. Yeah, wow. So much hope for this moment.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, the, the Bernie moment was great because not, not just because so many uh, feminist liberals rightly pointed out that he was – uh, a misogynist who is sexist and taking away joy from Kamala Harris. I
1: didn't see any of those takes. Widely of take of the that was, I did. I saw a lot of circulated
0: take of the day. Absolutely
1: not. I saw zero. You're those not a Twitter takes. person,
2: which is good
1: on the Internet. I didn't see a single take like that. People were into that it. That doesn't
2: mean it didn't happen.
1: Uh, but Josh often extrapolates something. So it's like okay, he is on, the king of
0: extrapolation. Uh, this is horseshit. This is. Bullshit! No, All of not. a sudden, I've become the punching bag of extrapolation. No, no, because of one fucking scene with Gale, beautiful Liam Hendricks, or
1: whatever you, his name. That is. was not extrapolation. <laughs> that was just that was wrong. No, Josh, I agree oh, with you. God
2: I, damn it. I I saw That's a lot of this shit. Me. I saw not only that. I also saw uh, a lot of the smile, honey, shit. Like the weird thing about feminist takes is like, ew. Rather That's than so annoying. Rather you, than you missed, it was a Twitter thing, Al. You
0: missed this. It was terrible. It, was, it
2: terrible. was like, hey, maybe you shouldn't be such a grump you old grump, maybe you should just... That's
1: anti-Semitic. That's our fucking legacy right. to be a grump. Because
0: yeah. the point is, the beauty of Bernie's performance was that he's like this is my job. I'm here because I have to be. I don't have to fucking wear like a fancy clothing and, and pretend. It's cold
1: outside. It's like, geez I'm please. cold. I'm 79. It's a pandemic. This
0: is a political function. It does it not need to be. Like, it was funny because like it was like a counter performance to the performance, uh, the weirdly slavishly devoted performance to the beauty of democracy that that the Democratic Party has really made bank on, which is, you know.
1: Wait, can somebody reconnect this to what, what does it have to do with the Hunger Games?
0: Well, we're talking, the question that came up was like, there are lies behind this revolution, which we agree is good. President Snow, bad. Peacekeepers, mean and bad. Hunger Games, not good. District 13 is the preferable option. But their revolution is just as much predicated on manipulation and lies as the evil forces yeah, and murder and and deliberate violence and loss of life. So, you know, I think the the, the point Charles was raising is like. Is there, is there a moral component to this, or is there like an objective political, they, they need to win, and morality is, is
2: not the same as winning? They'll figure out the morality once they get old blood mouth out of office. Yeah.
1: I'm sure they have a plan for what comes next, and we just haven't heard about it yet.
2: When you, heard, when you learned that he has surrounded himself with white flowers because his mouth constantly smells of blood, what did, what did you do there?
1: The first thing I did was look to Josh and try to see whether he noticed uh, that part of the narrative because he had missed the bleeding in other movies. So I had to point it out several times. Wait, what other
2: movies has he missed bleeding?
1: Well, he ble- he bleeds Jaws. from the. I remember that. No, I meant the other Hunger Games oh, movies.
2: I thought he just like. I've seen bleeding in other movies. Oh okay. yeah, yeah, he's seen okay. blood. Thank you.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, I you know I I think because I hadn't noticed that earlier in the movies, I thought it was sort of some fun you know, narrative and propaganda stuff. But I mean, if he literally is mouth bleeding all the time, I'm sympathetic because I have some gum issues sometimes like that crop up and it does. It is unpleasant to bleed in your mouth.
1: The flowers are such a strong metaphor, I think, because they are literally covering up the stench that is his mouth. So when he like covers the ground with white roses to show Katniss that he's been there, it's like, you know i I. You can do whatever you want to do and try to fight me, but like I'm gonna keep covering it all up with this with these roses. I'm gonna keep you know making people think that I'm the good guy. Like to. Well, that image is, in. was incredible. Yeah. It was it was nice. It
2: was very nice.
0: I, I also what, what I like about this movie is it, it also shows like how I, I think certainly the the most overused adverb of the last few months has been Orwellian. You know, and there's the a
1: few months try. Whatever, yeah.
0: yeah. Since the fucking book was published, people have been saying Orwellian, completely inappropriately. Is that, a,
2: is that an adjective?
1: Yeah. Uh, no, Orwellian. Orwellian. It's an adverb. Adverb. What?
2: It is it describing another adjective or a verb or is it describing a noun? A noun. Oh.
1: Yeah, that's, oh, an, that's an, adi- adi- an adjective. An adjective. Yeah. Wow,
2: this is fucking fun.
1: English class. Grammar
2: corner. Nice, Charles.
0: Gold star for you. Thanks. Okay, so the thing with 1984 that has always irritated me is that it really presents this like you know faultless facade of the authoritarian state as this like, you know, completely, you know, it's, it's faceless. There's no way into it. It's like, it's slick and efficient. And and in this movie we see how blunt and awkward and limited governance is. Like both sides are launching these like really sloppy, half-assed, like lacking gestures at each other. And they're just like waiting each other out. And these like, it's not like, This the 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 main bad guys are. It's not Darth Vader and shit. No one's getting fucking force choked. They're just like bomb the fuck out of where we think they might be. I don't know. Kill kill all of her friends. Like it's 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 so medieval in that way. And I I think power and violence is, is always in a lot of ways just that simple about who can do the most raw direct. It's it's not you know as these two levels of these elaborate narrative political games that are being played, and then just the sheer you know, Syria-like kind of devastation, you know, and panic.
2: Yeah, I, I liked that that scene where they get bombed. Um, it was told entirely on like radar screens, and the whole point of it wasn't to see an action sequence. It was to see both sides working with very little information and and really nothing. Like they they were like, oh wait, the best we got is to just sit here. Great, we'll yeah. just we'll just sit here, and
1: people making choices in the moment that luckily worked out for them, but could easily have led to everyone's death. (laughs) Yeah. The choices that they made were sort of arbitrary because like Josh said, they were based on having very, very little information and the only information that they had was that they thought their enemy had less information.
2: Yeah, they're both just scrambling in the dark, just making propos. That's like their main weapon that actually is successful are the propos. And I want to talk briefly about, yeah, the the two... The two moments that I thought were really cool, the way they use like the screens where we we actually watch most of this movie. A lot of this movie is taking place on another screen, Mm -hmm. and the the part where they like have Peta and Katniss interact through their own recorded propos, where they can't actually interact with each other, Mm -hmm. but you still see the way that they are like Peta's responding to it live on Caesar's beautiful show, and. Katniss is like screaming at the TV like your dad does when he's watching. I thought that was really great. Like imagine them watching the news when PETA comes on the screen. It's like your dad watching like crossfire, like screaming at PETA, like just fuck, fuck this asshole. And they're like, dad, he can't hear you. It's the television. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I do like that. That's how like so much of the story is about the propos from both sides that like some of the most emotional resonance comes from within dueling propo scenes where they collide Well, it
1: gives me it gives me hope for my career field because in in war times often in the u.s theater artists and storytellers have been hired to make propaganda art so <laughs> yeah, Frank
0: Capra famously as
1: World War Three, you know, starts to uh, descend upon us. At least I will be employed in some measure, unless I'm dead.
0: A- Allie sees herself as a sort of Effie Plutarch mashup. You know what I mean? Oh shit! Like both like bringing like sort of a bit, you know, trying try to get some style into it all, but also being like, we need the good shit, and this is not it. I, that's, I think the best part of the movie is. Uh, Philips and we playing like directing within a movie. That was so fucking oh, funny. That was really good. And then them watching essentially the dailies being like, this is bad. Like <laughs> we have made a bad movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it's just like, if you told me, I, I, you know, talk about coming to these movies and this story arc with, which, with strange expectations. If you told me that a quarter of the film series was a movie about like rival propaganda, media projections where again, we literally watched them like, shoot something in a green screen and then what like it's so it's so bizarre to me that these are so popular because there's they're so real in in that way despite being of course you know elaborate fantasy
2: i think that's what's missing from shit like star wars and like those are fine and i'm sorry to talk about it but (laughs) this does have stuff in there that's like there can you imagine a scene where like luke skywalker has to like make a propo and have that whole awkward scene where Obi-Wan's yelling at him, like, come on, man, we need more heart. We need this to actually feel real. Like, that shit is boring in some ways, but it's really captivating and works so well. And it's, it's, this movie, I think they even used that to its own success. The other scene where I really was so into it was when they realized that showing the people breaking in to steal the victors back from the Capitol uh, on its own, I think would have been boring. And having Finnick talk about his, sad sex life on camera by itself would have been boring. And they realized that putting those scenes together made both of them work in such profound ways. I thought that that moment, like that whole sequence with the flashlights and the red with Finnick talking over it was perfect from start to finish.
0: Well, I loved, it's a beautifully shot movie. And the combination of the the garish lights on Fennec in the rubble with the roses around him, giving this really passionate narrative, mixed with this sort of Mission Impossible style, you know, mixture of greens and reds and dark, like it's a, it's a very captivating sequence. And yeah, the, the, I, I agree with you. If it was if it just sort of like weirdly shifted into Mission Impossible mode, it would have felt like a little out of place. But. They present, like, this dual... The, the the pincer motion of these two actions are equally important. The the propaganda distraction and this extraction plan to, to steal PETA. And then that twist that, that that Snow's like, I know your friends are there. I know they're getting PETA. You can fucking have him.
2: He's a time bomb now. Mm-hmm. I want you to
0: have him because he's going to fucking wreck your shit.
1: Right. He's ready for you now.
2: I really like how gross they make uh, Katniss at the end of this movie. Like, she's... Her eyes are basically hewed blood she can't speak because she's been strangled so hard like she is
1: she's obsessed with pita in some ways she's actually become just as brainwashed as Peta has yeah. except her brainwashing is to be in love with pita and to want him and her his brainwashing is to fear her and hate her and want to kill her
0: well that's the brilliance of, of the series where it's like in the middle of these massive political events at the end of the day you have these two teenagers who are like Physically and emotionally, so ground down into nothingness mm-hmm. and, and so broken. I, again, yeah, seeing Jennifer Lawrence end the movie with b- like blown out blood capillaries in her fucking corneas, okay. while like her, the love of her life, who ha- is has been so to- visibly tortured physically and mentally that it's it's unpleasant forget, to look at him let's
1: not forget that he's the love of her life only because she's been manipulated into loving him not because of anything natural to her um but I really want to go back to the question that you asked Josh which is why were these movies so popular and you asked it in the last episode too um Charles do you know what, what year this movie came out
2: yeah this is uh it was we look at this this is a rare bam 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 four years in a row. So this would have been 2014.
1: 2014 so that's pretty recent relatively oh it's not wow that's seven years ago
2: (laughs) man this sounds like i'm doing math man we were both really bad at math
1: well no anything since 2007 feels recent to me but anyway um (laughs) so what was happening in 2014
0: well some dark times the obama years yeah uh everyone was everyone was legally required to be a trans muslim
1: okay well, there was a lot. There was war happening. What was happening around us that would have made this so popular to teenagers? I well, don't know. I
0: think a combination of things. I think, uh, the, like the political narratives of America, I guess for our entire lives have always been about either either side of the political spectrum being a terrifying authoritarian radical entity built on destroying everything we love, mm-hmm. and even when that is true to varying degrees like you know when obama was in office the right was like this is a communist dictator hell-bent on tearing out the very fabric of our society you know after the the you know bush yeah I, I just think we, we've entered this time where the the things that threaten us as a crumbling empire in a crumbling ecosystem like the the threat seems so out like blown out and, and if you think about like The the reason why the 90s were this weird haven is that you have, like, the Cold War ends at the very end of the 80s. So it's like, okay, no one's going to nuke us for a little bit. And now we can focus on, you know, building a massive neoliberal corporate conglomeration to suck the life out of the world. And then after 9-11, we're back to this, like, shadowy realm of threat and violence and it just gets ratcheted up and ratcheted up as our consciousness of climate change expands and our disbelief in official narratives expands and, and the, the blatantness of our forever wars being about corporate expansion and fossil fuels. I mean, I just think it's just like escalating uh, cultural sense that capitalism is a runaway train and that combined with the violence of the imperial nation state, mm-hmm. you're left with like what options do we have?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, agree with all of that. Also, I, I think
2: the price of the stamp went up to 49 cents in 2014.
0: Oh, shit. I think that's it. We can there just cut
1: off go. the episode. No, I, I think I think that also there's, you know, th- with every generation, there's so much pressure put onto teenagers by their parents' generation. It's like, well, you're going to be the savior of our world. You're going to save us all. It's all up to you. And like... How scary and exhausting that is when you feel like you're small and powerless, and there are all these huge structures in place that you cannot dismantle. You just can't, you don't have the power to do so. Um, But everyone's telling you that it's your job to do that. And I feel like reading something that's a narrative where someone around your age actually does have some power to take down these systems. Um it must be sort of relaxing to read for at that time for younger people. I don't
0: know. Well, I don't want to introduce what is honestly an episode's worth long conversation, but what about this as like a counter narrative to Harry Potter? Where like th- those books famously resolve in a way that a lot of people were like, This is so convenient yeah. on so many levels. No,
1: that's not a whole episode. That what you just everyone agrees with what you just okay. said.
0: Okay. Well I'm saying it'd be really fun to compare these two. Oh, yeah serious because you know yeah um harry obviously is traumatized and etc but like in in this you're like oh caddis is not gonna be okay
2: that's the thing is harry potter's trauma is played off for fake like orphan fantasy bullshit and to to have a laugh where uh this is just none of it is enjoyable in the same way that harry potter feasted on that fake shit and i think that's why i really don't like it Overall, it's a fine kid's book, whatever. Read it when you're a dumb boy. But overall, it sucks. It's it's so fucking fake. And it uses trauma in a way that isn't real. Where this, it's like, I've, I haven't seen, I think Ms. 45 is one of the few movies that also has similar moments where the trauma of experienced violence is like visually comes back using the cinematic language to like really be effective. It's, yeah, this movie is about trauma and not in a way that makes it cute.
1: Yeah, we have not laughed, really, during this episode. It's it's not a funny—like, it's such a serious movie, you know? Like, I don't know.
0: Well, it, you can tell it's building towards a finale that, you know, I, I could, at this point, though, I have no idea what's going to happen next. You know, I I can foresee—
1: Well, it'll either go well or it won't.
2: Well, no, but here's <laughs> the thing. It's not going to go well for Katniss and Peeta. Like, I, I like, Can you imagine if that's the take that they end? Like, they're like, "Oh, everything's fine." <laughs> like that's that. Can't I actually
1: don't remember how it ends, which is great.
2: Okay, well, we're getting towards the
0: end of the episode. Let's just. I think, honestly, this is one of the best series we've ever watched on the podcast. So, but Charles, I'll, I'll do the the requisite. Uh, are you asking when will it end?
2: I mean, it would be it would be a crazy. thing. Can you think about It'd be, if I did? If you I can't said, "End it now," I don't want. Like the ending of this movie is uh, a perfectly shot reflection of her bloodshot face looking at PETA completely down to just bones in his head, uh, smashing his bed, screaming behind a piece of glass. Like that was the, isn't it, That's the last shot of this movie. Yes. It's yeah. so brutal. And if you don't want to see what happens next, um, get the fuck out of here. Go read your HP books. Yeah. Yeah. Read that, uh,
0: uh that, that printer setup manual. Um, no, I, Josh, I, I Harry similarly, Potter Oh, sorry, Harry sorry, Potter. sorry. There's not a lot of printers in those movies because of magic. I am not asking when will it end. Coward. Uh, this is fantastic. I'm very on the hook. I'm uh, I'm a coward. That's fair. Allie, you're our guest. Are you at this point uh, – are you, uh, are you uh, trying to hit the eject button or you want to watch more? I got to
1: know what happens, baby. I got to know.
0: Okay. So um, let's wrap up with our MVP picks because I think we're all excited to not just watch the football the game but the finale of the frigging uh, Hunger Games as well. Um, Allison, you're our guest. Mm-hmm. I, I will give you the option of drawing first Veep. Who is your MV?
1: Uh, Just like last time, I think almost any character could have been an MVP, but I'm going to go with Effie. I'm going to go with Elizabeth Banks' character this time because I think that... She adapts extremely well. We get to keep her a sassy little personality. However, she adapts to wartime and sort of transitions her, her skills. And we see that although she was committed to the Capitol, she's sort of more committed to this idea of this strange non-nuclear family that she's uh, made with the victors. And uh, I think it's really interesting to watch her adapt.
0: Charles, take it away. Who's your MVP pick for Hunger Games three colon The Mockingjay guy part one. Um,
2: so it's hard. It's hard. Anyone could have it. Anyone could have it. I, I think I I said Finnick earlier. He's not it. He's great, but he doesn't. He doesn't quite like you could remove him, and I think it would be fine. He does represent what the movie is though for me, and I will always love his mouth. Hamwich wears his jumpsuit fun, and I do like that. (laughs) He does have it open more where most people choose to close it up. He's coming in. uh, He's sober finally, which a sober Hamwich is not a good Hamwich, but he doesn't get it either. I do love him, though. I almost gave it to Effie. I think she's great. I don't know, man. Um, I think I'm actually going to give it to Katniss. Mm. Yeah, I think I'm going to land on Katniss. It's rare in these types of movies where the main character is the MVP. I think they're sort of built to have the MVP or the main character like react to everything going on. So oftentimes what's around her is more important. But uh, I think J-Law did a great job. And the character is uh, just one of the most alarming characters to be in a young adult series that I've seen. And it's fucking... Perfect.
1: Well-deserved.
2: And I will close it out today. I've given this a lot of thought. Uh, My
0: instinct is, of course, to give it to Philip Seymour Hoffman, who's a perfect human and, of course, died uh, during the the release of this movie, which is really horrible. And I think he is the greatest generational loss to acting in my lifetime. Um, But I, I have to give to Julianne Moore. I think she carries a lot of weight. Playing a role that, as Allison pointed out, raises a lot of questions. And she manages, I and think, and it's to, not
1: Nicole Kidman.
0: As well, yes, one, it's right. not Nicole Kidman. Two so I would how, well, did watch a, movie.
2: how did a woman become president?
0: Yeah, that's honestly the most unrealistic part of the entire franchise so far. Um, but no, uh the, the fact that she sweeps into a very significant question raising role and does it with confidence and poise and grit and enough personality that she's not distracting, but also holds it down. I, I think it's a it's a, an understated and realistic. Really uh, confident performance and I love that in a performance what can I say
2: I mean you're not wrong yeah
0: alright uh, let's close out the episode with you two singing that tree song that you love so much everyone thanks for listening five, six, wait Josh, five, wait, Josh six, can you six, scat
2: in the background please are uh, you are you I'm in
0: oh, the tree. i keep it.
2: let
1: it. Hello, these are my
0: words. Hello, these are my thoughts and feelings. Okay, we're going to turn up Allie a little bit.
1: Turn me up. Turn me up, dog.
0: Okay, talk again.
1: Hello, these are my dogs.
0: Hello, these are my dogs. Oh, well, we're both about dogs. Allie, talk one more time.
1: Hello, hello, hello. I'm talking. Okay, I'm-
0: Charles, let's go, Betty. Ready to go?
2: Yeah, I'm ready. I want dogs, though. Dogs would be good. I All got right, dogs. Ready? What am I talking about? I got dog. You got dogs.
1: You have dogs.
0: Five,
2: <laughs> four,
0: three. Are you ready to go? Yeah, yeah, yeah.